It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. It is finally game day again. The Blue Jackets haven't played since Saturday night when they beat the Colorado Avalanche. For the Blue Jackets, it was their third win in a row. That winning streak has been put on ice this week as the team had the time off. They've done a lot of practicing. They took an extra day off in the middle of the week, and now it's time to get back to action in a big way with the Washington Capitals coming here tonight, and the New York Rangers will be here tomorrow night. But before I get to talking about tonight's game against the Capitals, what a special day yesterday was for the Blue Jackets. And actually, it wasn't just yesterday. It started at the beginning of the week when the Blue Jackets laid a surprise for their former captain and now director of player development, Rick Nash. I'm going to tell you all about that, and we'll hear from Emily Kaplan from ESPN, who interviewed Rick Nash as part of the entire charade, if you will. First, let me tell you about Telhio Credit Union. You know, at Telhio Credit Union, they have plenty of different options for you to help you with your money. Everything from a basic checking account to different levels of checking accounts, from a savings account to different levels of savings accounts. Maybe you're looking for a debt consolidation loan. Maybe you're looking for a car loan. Maybe you're looking for a small business loan. All of these things are part of Telhio Credit Union. They can get it and deliver it to you. To find out about all of the things that they can do to help you with your financial life, all you have to do is go to their website at telhio.org. Surf around the site, click on the different tabs. You'll get all the information that you want. And if there's something that you can't find during business hours on the right-hand side of the screen, there is a live chat option. Somebody will pop right up on your screen and help you to navigate through and figure out why you should join a credit union and why that credit union should be Telhio Credit Union. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio and is federally insured by NCUA. So Rick Nash, this happened on Monday, as a matter of fact. Yesterday, it was unveiled on ESPN's The Point, yesterday afternoon. But everything went down on Monday with the Blue Jackets gathering at Nationwide Arena. And Rick Nash was brought in to do an interview with Emily Kaplan of ESPN. They led him to believe that it was a new Legends series that was being done where ESPN was going to go around and talk to a former legend from each NHL franchise. So that's what Rick showed up to do. He got mic'd up, he sat down, he did the interview, and then when the interview was over, he was taken into the Blue Jackets dressing room. While he was there for what he presumed was a Blue Jackets players team meeting that for some reason he was asked to be involved in this time, Yarmo Kekalainen, John Davidson, the entire group was there, and on the brand new mini jumbotron inside of the Blue Jackets dressing room, the Blue Jackets owner, John P. McConnell, appeared and made the announcement to Rick Nash that he was the first player in franchise history to wear number 61 and that he would be the last player in franchise history to wear number 61. The Blue Jackets are going to raise that number to the rafters coming up on Saturday, March 5th, when the Blue Jackets take on the Boston Bruins. Now, this is, of course, a great honor for Rick Nash, and it's a well-deserved honor. He is the franchise's all-time leader in games played, in goals, assists, 
and points. He had 289 goals and 258 assists for 547 points with 568 penalty minutes in 674 games with the Blue Jackets from 2002 through 2012. So the numbers support it. Rick Nash, he was drafted first overall by the Blue Jackets in his draft year. He left the organization, was traded away to the New York Rangers, eventually went and played with the Boston Bruins at the very end. There was thoughts and with me hopes that he would come back and finish as a player he didn't do that but now he's in the front office and helping the Blue Jackets to bring their next wave of not just stars but superstars through this franchise after the message was delivered in the dressing room Rick Nash had this to say to the members of the Blue Jackets organization that were gathered I don't even know what to say guys um thank you to the Jackets organization Yarmo JD. I mean, it was it was tough when I got when I got traded from here. Um, it wasn't even very fun coming back. Uh, but I knew in my heart I was always a Blue Jacket. And uh, thank you for you guys for bringing me back in. And as for the players, you guys have been awesome this year. I honestly thought this meeting was about something for you guys. Uh, but um, it, it's been fun to get to know you guys and, and being around and. Um, being part of this, being part of a team. I'll tell you one thing that enjoy this as much as possible because once you retire, this is what you miss, being around each other. And um, that was kind of the hardest four or five months that I had was um, not having 25 other brothers. And I'll tell you when, when Yarmo brought me back in and you know, being with Clarky and Josh and Basil and JD, it brought that camaraderie back. So. This is a huge deal, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy wearing the jersey as much as I did. That is Rick Nash, and they surprised him. They surprised him big time. If you saw the video on The Point on ESPN2 yesterday afternoon, you could see how surprised he was. And I talked to him after it all happened, and he admitted that they got him. And that's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to catch Rick Nash by surprise, ask anybody that ever played against him, and they'll tell you that that's true, but the Blue Jackets organization did catch him by surprise. I mentioned earlier, Emily Kaplan of ESPN was a part of all of this. She came in on Monday, did a sit-down with Rick Nash. I had a chance to catch up with her yesterday and talk to her about the entire experience of coming into Columbus to be a part of this great moment. Well, Emily, first of all, I appreciate you joining me in a busy time in Chicago. I know you're getting ready to go on vacation and everything, and you still took the time for me. So I want to start by giving you a heartfelt thank you for just doing this. Oh, my gosh. No, it's seriously my pleasure. And as you'll hear, I am uh, standing in the streets of Chicago. I just got off around the horn and got to go home and pack. But I would definitely squeeze in time for you anytime. Well, I really appreciate that a lot. And you squeezed in some time for the Blue Jackets this week. Uh, by coming in and covering something that was really covered up until basically it was uh, unveiled on the point with you this week, and that is the retirement of Rick Nash's number. How did all this uh, happen with you where somebody got a hold of you from ESPN and said, hey, we need you to uh, get from Chicago into Columbus because we've got this story, and then once you get it, you got to keep it under wraps for about four days. Yeah, it's one of those classic Friday afternoon calls from your boss. Uh, hey, uh, are you around on Monday? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess it's Monday. Uh, and then he's like, great. Uh, we'd like you to get to Columbus. We've been talking to them about this super secret story. And uh, 
they filled me in. And obviously, once they said Rick Nash, once they said Jersey retirement, and once they said that it was going to be him in front of the locker room and probably a pretty emotional moment, um, I knew it was something that I definitely wanted to cover. So those are the times you say, yes, I will get on that 6 a.m. flight and fly back the next day at 4 p.m. and keep my mouth shut for three days. Well, yeah, that's what we do sometimes, right? When uh, when we get asked to do it, we do it. But it, Rick Nash is the kind of guy that, you know, it's hard to get him in an emotional moment. Uh, in my time here when he was a player and even now that he's back in a management role, you know, Rick has always been pretty even keeled all the way. But I talked to him right after he went through that, uh, you know, the announcement in the dressing room when he just found out and his family was there and then, then he came out uh, of the dressing room. I was talking to him and he said to me, he goes, they really surprised me. So I know that everybody did a good job because it's hard to surprise a guy like Rick Nash. Yeah. And so, you know, my job was a little interesting because I came in under the uh, premise that I was going to do an interview with Rick Nash. That's what he was told. So I had to put my actor hat on. Um, I think what he was told, but it was a series that I'm doing on legends of the game um, and, and guys that are getting into the front office and how he's following the path of Steve Eiserman. I'm like, sure, I can roll with that. Um, and I'll tell you, this is the first time I ever got to meet him. You know, I started covering the league um, after he left and he could not be a nicer guy. And actually, you know, we sat down for 20 minutes. I'm like, that was a really good interview. Could we use that somewhere? Because um, he had some really great and thoughtful answers. Um, but yeah, afterwards, you know, Todd Chirac, the uh, ace PR guy with the Columbus Blue Jackets, comes to get Rick. And uh, he told him, you know, uh, keep your mic on because they want to do like day in the life shadowing of you. And Rick thought he had to go to a meeting. And that's when he walked into the locker room and saw Yarmo, the entire front office staff, and they showed a video from your team owner. Well, that, that is great. And it, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, as you said. You know, it was funny. You were, as you were saying that he gave you some very thoughtful answers. I interviewed Rick as a player, and now I interview Rick as a, a management guy. And it's really funny. And I wonder if you had this dealings with other players that you've talked to. He's much more talkative and has much more to say <laughs> as a management guy than he ever did as a player. Yeah, I think once you, um, you know, you're not fighting for your next paycheck and you're kind of out of the system of being a player where you never want to make the story about yourself and you're securing your career. And that's when you start opening up and actually sharing how you feel. And, you know, one of the most thoughtful things he was talking about was the way he left Columbus originally. Um, and he said, you know, I just hated the way that it was perceived by the public. And, you know, there's always three sides to a story, but I just felt like my perspective wasn't out there. And, you know, obviously... He leaves, he requests the trade, he goes to the Rangers, he gets booed every time he comes back to Columbus. Um, and I just think there's something so special, A, about him recognizing that, um, but B, about the way that he decided personally to make amends and come back to the organization and do right by the organization by building the organization again. Uh, that's something really cool. You know, my one of my favorite stories with Rick was when the All-Star Game was here in Columbus. And, and I reminded him of this story when he first came back and started working with Yarmo. Um, they were having the, the teams, the all-stars were being introduced and they were coming in through the ice house. That's where the red carpet was that they were coming through the ice house and there were fans in there. And I had the job of, uh, calling every player by name, introducing them as they came through the door. And there were some, there were some kids there. So when I would introduce a player, they would walk up and they, they stopped with these kids and they signed some autographs and then they would finish walking the red carpet in front of the fans. So I had you know, there would be maybe a minute or so there in between guys. And I remember, I can't remember who was in front of Rick, but when Rick came up next, I said to him, Hey, it's great to see you. How you doing? And, uh, and I told him at that time, cause I really believed this at the time. I said, 
I said, you know, I, I really think you're going to come back here and finish your career. He goes, really? You think so? I said, yeah, I really do. I said, but unfortunately, until that time, you have to listen to this. And I introduced him and he got booed all the way down the red carpet. And But you're right. I know that was tough for him. That was, uh, and, and to me, it was just kind of the, the nature of the game. I mean, he was the face of the franchise. Uh, he asked for the trade. He left. And that first game back, it, it couldn't have gone it was a great storyline. You know, he bumps Bobrovsky. Bobrovsky pushes him. He ends up in a fight with Matt Calvert before the game was over. And I always put it in WWE terms. He was like the face, and then he turned into the heel. But you always knew, or I did anyway, you always knew he was going to return to being the face when it was all said and done. And that's exactly what's happened here, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, I, I love that you had the belief and you predicted it, and I'm sure there's plenty of other people around Columbus that saw that too. Well, I thought it was going to be right? as a player. I'll be honest with you. I thought he was going to okay. come back and play one more time, but uh, that didn't happen. it sounds like he was going to if his health held up. It sounds like, you know, he might have had a deal in place with Yarmo to come back. Um, but my point being is that, you know, you never know. Um, you know, you fall in love with athletes in your city and you hope that they fall in love with the city back. But this is a kid from Toronto. Like, he really, you know had no allegiances to Columbus besides the fact that he played there and the fact that he did decide, you know, this is where my life is going to be. This is what I want to raise my kids and is the organization I want to be a part of. I just think that must be a gratifying feeling for you guys because you know, you know, you have something special there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right about that. And, and it's going to be a really special thing for his number to go up into the rafters and, and be there for all time. I, I was thinking this a couple of games ago. I forget who we were, uh, playing against but somebody was wearing number 61 and I remember when I first came into the league and that was in the fall of 2009 there weren't very many guys that were wearing number 61 I think Justin Braun was wearing it in San Jose with the Sharks but there weren't a lot of guys and now I notice a couple more and I just have to wonder if those were uh, you know if some of them anyway were kids that were influenced by Rick Nash and the way he played when he first came into the league and he was a superstar I have to imagine so, because it is a little bit of a special number. Uh, it's not one that guys would gravitate towards, like a 7 or an 8 or maybe a 13 or an 11. Uh, you know, one of the funnier things, though, that Rick's wife, Jessica, told me afterwards is, you know, they pulled the kids out of school that day so they could be there in the locker room. And one of Rick's sons like, wait, does this mean I can't wear 61 now? And I think that they'll make some exceptions for the young Nash boy. That's my theory. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that uh, if he wanted that to happen at some point in time, they'd be happy to roll that up and uh, and put it back on the ice. So that's great thinking. And that not that great about kids that that's the kind of thing that they would think about? Oh, of course. I wish that was my biggest fear of the day. What number will I be able to wear for the rest? Um, that was my biggest fear. I think I'd be having a pretty good day. Let me ask you a question. And you cover all the teams in the league, obviously, and you go around. And there are many buildings that have numbers that are retired. and um, you know, having talked to Rick now and, and, and you know what Rick did in his career, I mean, it is uh, really special to get that honor. And I think it's, uh, and I don't know if you asked him this or not, but I would imagine it would be really special for Rick to be the first one with this franchise. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to do the interview beforehand and not after. So I didn't get as much of the reaction, um, but no, he, um, it, it just to be, and one of the things I did ask him before, though, was how does it feel to be so synonymous with a franchise? Because I think if you asked 100 hockey fans around the country, name one Columbus Blue Jackets player, like Rick Nash would be the name that would come up more and more and more often than most other guys. And, you know, he, he just talked about what a special and honored feeling that is to be so, you know, synonymous with them. And, um, you know, it's when you put it up in the rafters, it's there forever, you know, and 
there's kids now who are born who might not have seen Rick Nash play, but they'll go to the games with their parents and their parents will explain to them exactly who Rick Nash was. Yeah, absolutely. I'm talking with Emily Kaplan of ESPN. You can find her all over the place on ESPN, but especially on The Point. And then make sure you check out her podcast with Linda Cohn that is called In the Crease. By the way, I think you guys do a great job on that podcast. Oh, thank you. Honestly, that is such a treat for me because you talk about legends in the game. Like Linda, to me, is the OG. Uh, she, you know, carried the torch for our company for so long when we didn't have the rights. So to be able to be colleagues with her and now friends with her um, and get to just vibe with her every week or twice a week on this podcast, it's, it's just been so fun for me. Yeah, it's funny. I know that there have got to be a lot of people that are so excited there to have hockey back. And, uh, you know, John Butchergrass, I know, is one of those people. And Barry Melrose, I'm sure, is really happy he's been with you all those years waiting for it to come back. But yeah, Linda Cohn is pretty much synonymous. All those years uh, when the, uh, the NHL was not on ESPN, I always knew that if Linda Cohn was on SportsCenter, we're getting some hockey. Exactly. And like, that's the most important thing with this deal, right? Like, yes, we get to broadcast the games, but it also gets to mean that it's infiltrated to all of our shows and all of our programming. And like you said, there was many years where you'd watch SportsCenter and probably not see hockey and maybe hope that Linda Cohen or John Bucci-Grass were um you know, hosting, but uh, now everybody gets to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I would think, especially at playoff time. I'd be like, oh, Bucci-Grass is on uh, Sports Center today. We're going to get uh, we're going to get some extra. We're going to get a little bit extra. So that's great. Hey, what is it like? Because I know the answer to this question. I did it for six years. What is it like to work alongside of John Tortorella? Oh, my gosh. It has been such a treat. I have loved getting to know him. Um, you know, and I was saying to you a little bit before we got on, people who get to know him realize that he's not quite what his public perception is. Um, he has totally, um, you know, just the warmest heart and cares so much about his players. Um, he also just is hilarious. He kind of reminds me of Larry David. Like the first night we do the show, um, we do the first episode of The Point. It's great. And our producer sends us a group text with all of us on. It's like, hey, great job. And towards response back please don't text me after 8 p.m. I'm in bed. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Even to this day when I text him, I make sure that I put my name on the text because I know for sure, and I've confirmed this with people that he worked with, he doesn't save numbers in his phone. He has no idea who it is unless I tell him who it is. That's hilarious. Yeah, there's a, a lot of old school qualities about him that I love. But like, again, you know, I worked on the Matisse Kivlenic's piece. Um, with Elvis Merzlikens and it was a really emotional one and we had Torts on set that day and I'm sure people have seen it and if you haven't I'd recommend you watch Torts's reaction was just so pure and it's because he has deep love for these players that again I just don't think always came through to the public but anyone who knows him knew that you know he's special in that way. You know what Emily here's another thing about John Tortorella and I can go back on YouTube and I can look at the rants that he had here in Columbus. I can't speak to what he did with the Rangers or the Canucks or anything like that. But when he was going on these rants, I remember specifically one time we were in Winnipeg and it's when uh, Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky were still here. And he came out in the morning and he started like he was ranting in his morning media availability and like going after people. And at the time I was like, where did this come from? He was fine yesterday when we were on the plane. What, what is he so mad about today? <laughs> And I, I don't know what the actual situation was, but I do know this, and this is what he was really good at, and this is what people don't understand. And I think that somebody like you that's around him now every day, you'll start to get this. Um, whatever it was, 
he was protecting his players. He was fine with throwing himself in front of the cameras and having everybody in the world think that he was the biggest jerk yeah. on the planet. As long as it kept you from asking about the players and as long as it kept the players from having to answer questions about situations, he was a great deflector. And, and, and you know, I used to say that to people all the time. I'd say to media people, especially the ones here, I'd say, I can't believe you guys are still buying into this. Like, he's, he's not mad. You know what he's doing, don't you? I know exactly what he's doing. And I would tell him that. And we laughed about it many times. But that's who he is. That's a great point. And honestly, like, those are the type of things when you ask, what is a player's coach? What does that mean? Um, that's a perfect example of what it is. It's a guy that looks out for his players and tries to protect his players. And, you know, you might not see it at face value, but it's what he's doing inherently. And I think it's pretty genius. Yeah, it well. Oh man. Don't tell him I called him a genius because he'll oh. number one, he'll never believe you. And number two, whatever he says about me, it's not going to be genius. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> well, the day we were on set, I was texting Elvis. Um, you know, I was like, you know, we're about to air it. Elvis Dogport is sitting next to me. And I said, Torch, do you have anything you want to say Elvis? And he's like, yeah, tell him I said, hello. I'm like, okay. So I text Elvis. Hello. And then two <laughs> minutes later, Torch says, and tell him I say F all. Yeah. <laughs> um, he obviously didn't censor himself like I did. So right. that's Torch as well. Yeah, that we all know every every fan in Columbus knows there was never any censoring. Hey, uh, I want to ask you one more thing before I let you go here. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you were here for the draft this summer. Uh, you were covering for ESPN. Uh, you watched it, how Yarmo uh, was able to get Kent Johnson with that fifth overall pick. You watched the trade that he made, uh, sending Seth Jones to Chicago. And he got uh, Adam Boquist. He got the second round pick that he acquired Jake Bean with, got the pick that he got Cole Sillinger with. Uh, all of those things. So you were here, you went through it with all of us. Now we're 10 games into the season. The Blue Jackets are seven and three. Uh, Cole Sillinger has four goals and has looked like uh, not an 18 year old, but a 25 year old in this league in the early going. What is the word about the Blue Jackets outside of Columbus? The people here are thrilled to death as well. They should be. And I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, grind, to the schedule that's coming up here in the next couple of weeks. But what are they saying outside Columbus around the league about the Blue Jackets? You know, I think the one word that's often associated with Yarmo Kikalainen in general is just conviction. He's somebody who acts um, and has a definite point of view. And he had a point of view of what he wanted to do with his team this year. And I think people are quite impressed by how that's being executed. And of course it helps when a first round pick is already playing in the lineup, like you said, like a teenager, uh, as a teenager and playing not like a teenager. Um, but just in general, it feels like there's a clear path forward. There's a point of view for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and I think that's something that should get fans pretty excited because let me tell you, there's a lot of teams around the league that don't have that same vision or uh, point of view. Let me put it that way. When you were sitting on the floor on that draft night, did you ever think that this team, there were, there were so many questions. There, there was so much disarray. I, I've told people on that night, when I came into the building that night, I really thought this might be five years of darkness before this franchise is able to sort it out and emerge by the time you make these picks and they develop and all that stuff. And, and I left there feeling much better. And now, of course, a couple of months later, I, I look at it with even a, a brighter outlook. But could you have ever imagined when you were sitting there that night doing those interviews that uh, this franchise might come out of the gate like this? No. I mean, I was there the night they trade Seth Jones. The next day they get rid of – or get rid of – they trade – Cam Atkinson and you look around the roster and you're like who, who's on the roster like who are these guys and I was just thinking it's going to be a really long year um and you know to see Patrick Laine you know play the way he has to see some of these youngsters step up 
And again, just to see them win some games and more games than I thought, um, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, and uh, and again, there's there are a lot of the challenges coming, especially starting this weekend with Washington and the Rangers back to back. But you know what, Emily, I'm just so happy to be back in the Metropolitan Division. I never thought I would say those words, but <laughs> after last year, uh, it is uh, it's a welcoming thing to see teams like that. Don't you agree? Oh, I, I love the diversity. I love the fact that we can see different matchups every night and not the same thing again and again. So things, little steps, things we can just you know appreciate and savor. Absolutely. Emily, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for the insight. And I'm glad you were able to pop in and interview Rick Nash and pop back out again and uh, enjoy your vacation. We'll see you on ESPN when you get back to work. Thanks, Bob. This was super fun. I appreciate you having me. That is Emily Kaplan of ESPN. I can't thank her enough for taking the time to talk with me today. I would also like to thank the Blue Jackets game operations and video production department for getting me that sound of Rick Nash, that speech that Rick Nash gave to the players after he found out that his number was going to be retired. So now let's shift to game day. The Blue Jackets taking on the Washington Capitals tonight at Nationwide Arena. The Blue Jackets, of course, in the midst of a three-game winning streak, and they have an overall record of 7-3. and three. It's the first time they're going to see the Capitals in a long time. Remember, last year the Blue Jackets were not in the Metropolitan Division. They were in the Central Division. So it has been quite some time since the Capitals have come to town. Washington, they won last night in Detroit. Two to nothing was the final score. Their record is now 7-2-4 on the year. When you talk about the Washington Capitals, you really just talk about one guy. It's a guy that's been talked about in the same sentence with the Capitals for a long, long time, and that is Alexander Ovechkin. But what this guy is doing this year is amazing. He's got 11 goals and 11 assists so far. He comes into the game tonight tied with Brett Hall, fourth overall in the number of goals ever scored in the National Hockey League. They each have 741. Now here's hoping that Alexander Ovechkin leaves Nationwide Arena still tied with Brett Hall. As far as who is next on the list, it is Yarmir Yager with 766. So the Blue Jackets will look to keep Ovechkin quiet tonight. That is always easier said than done. But it's not just Alexander Ovechkin. It's the Capitals in general. They are running along at a clip of scoring 3.39 goals per game. So the Blue Jackets have got to find a way to shut that down tonight. They also are fifth in the league defensively. They allow 2.46 goals per game. So they're playing well offensively. They're scoring a lot of goals, and they're not giving up that many goals, which is a great recipe for success in the NHL. Uh, not only is Ovechkin playing very well, Evgeny Kuznetsov is also off to a strong start. He has five goals and 12 assists for a total of 17 points. Tom Wilson, the guy everybody loves to hate, well, he has three goals and seven assists coming into the game tonight. He's also a plus nine. You know me, I'm not a big plus minus guy, but when you have a guy like that who is a plus nine, that tells you something. John Carlson has three goals and six assists. For the Capitals, so they have a lot of guys that are contributing. They also have a lot of injuries. Vitek Vanacek, who is uh, their goaltender and a guy that they would like to lean on, he is injured. It looks like Ilya Samsonov is going to get the nod tonight. He's only 3-0-1 in five games, three of them as a starter so far this year with a goals against average under three. The Capitals are also missing TJ Oshie. He played seven games and then suffered a lower body injury. So they've got some guys out of their lineup, yes, but they've got Alexander Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. They've got guys 
in the lineup that can score. And if you look what they did last night at uh, Detroit, as a matter of fact, you need to go no further than that. They won the game 2 to nothing. Their two goal scorers were Dmitry Orlov, who's a defenseman, and Lars Eller, who is a depth forward on the team. So they're just finding a way to get the job done. The Blue Jackets need to find a way to counterbalance tonight. And again, it is the first game of back-to-back games against Metropolitan Division rivals as the New York Rangers are coming in tomorrow night. But you've got to take it one game at a time, and that's what the Blue Jackets will do. The puck drops at 7 o'clock tonight. Our pregame coverage begins at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network. And tonight in Columbus, you'll be able to find us on Columbus Alternative 105.7. Our partners over at iHeart are carrying our game tonight, so I hope that you will join me there. Also, the pregame coverage starts at 6.30 on Bally Sports Ohio. Should be a good one tonight. It's going to be great to see the Capitals back. It's going to be great because I don't like the Capitals, and I haven't been able to hate on them in person in a long time. But again, here's hoping the Blue Jackets can keep things going the way that they have been going, that they can find a way to get another win and continue their streak on home ice at Nationwide Arena. Again, the puck drops at 7 o'clock tonight, and I hope that you're going to be there. If you want to be there, you can get your tickets by going to bluejackets.com, using the Blue Jackets app, or going to ticketmaster.com. So again, Hope you make it out there tonight. Uh, Should be a good one between these two teams. We're really going to find out what this young Blue Jackets team is made of here in the next couple of games. I think that that is a safe thing to say. I was going to say I think it's a foregone conclusion. Maybe not, but I do think that it is a safe thing to say. So I'm looking forward to it. So thanks for uh, being here today and hearing all about Rick Nash. And I hope you're excited about that. Again, it's coming up in March when the Boston Bruins are in town. And think about this. Think about this. The Blue Jackets will have their last three captains on the ice at the same time in that game. Boone Jenner, the current captain. Nick Foligno's with Boston. Um, As long as everything is fine and he's healthy and it's a long time from now, so who knows. And we can cross our fingers and hope so. I always hope that Nick Foligno is healthy. But uh, Nick would be there. And then Rick Nash was the captain prior to Nick Foligno. So that uh, that would be pretty cool, as a matter of fact. But that's a long time away. First things first, getting a win, finding a way to get a win against the Washington Capitals for the Blue Jackets tonight. Again, thanks to my guest, Emily Kaplan of ESPN, for being with me today. Thank you for being here as well. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until later on tonight, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.